Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Anjana Harvey, who is the first ever Global Chief Information Officer of Fresenius Medical Care. She was promoted into that role in January of this year after having been the North American Chief Information Officer for most of the prior year. Fresenius Medical Care is the world's leading provider of products and services for individuals with renal diseases. The company is headquartered in Germany, though Anjana is based in the United States, and has approximately $20 billion in annual revenue. Anjana was previously the Chief Information Officer of the connected care company, Hill Rom. But first, a word from our sponsor, QuickBase, and the company's Chief Executive Officer, Ed Jennings. QuickBase is a low-code application development platform focused on citizen automation, and Ed wanted to share how the company helps organizations democratize automation. Ed, over to you. At QuickBase, our mission is to unlock the potential of organizations to adapt and innovate at speed. We do this by empowering business technologists within organizations to leverage low-code, no-code, to visually build their own applications, click and drag, integrate across their existing systems, and eliminate manual and clumsy processes by writing their own workflow automations. As we see more technology responsibility shifting to the business, here are the top three ways that CIOs can unlock the potential of their own businesses to adapt and innovate faster. One, empower a culture of innovation where every member of the team feels responsible for building and innovating digital solutions. Two, build a practice of citizen automation in your company, build our governance frameworks and communities of practice. And three, equip the team with the right citizen automation tools. My name is Ed Jennings and I'm the CEO of QuickBase. I look forward to sharing how we've helped over 5,000 enterprises mature their citizen automation programs. And now on to the interview. And Jana, welcome. It's great to see you today. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. It's wonderful to be here. It's my pleasure. Well, I, I just gave a bit of an overview as to Fresenius Medical Care's business, Anjana, and I wonder if you could maybe provide a little bit more context uh, as to the lines of business that are involved in this organization for those who may be less familiar with it. Absolutely. And, and it's a great question because it's a fascinating company um, and with a very uh, large breadth, I would say, of different kinds of businesses and areas that we support, all with, with the focal area of really providing the right care for our patients uh, in the renal space. So it's all centered around that. Um, we have a large services part of the business where we provide uh, dialysis, critical dialysis services uh, through our clinics all throughout the, the world. We have more than 4,000 clinics around the world where we provide sort of life-saving treatment, uh, if you will, as well as at home patients where we can get uh, where they can get these services. But along with that, we also have a medical device part of our business where we manufacture dialysis machines. Uh, we sell pharmaceutical products for this particular area. We've got labs where we, we <clears throat> support our patients with. We've got a pharmacy business. Um, so it's, it's amazing kind of the breadth and depth of almost multiple industries, I guess, all rolled into one, uh, which gives us a unique perspective to kind of really take care of the patient, all aspects of the care for our patients, um, as I mentioned, the, through the various different kinds of businesses that we have. And it gives us a very, uh, it's a vertically integrated model to really bring the best, if you will, um, to care for our patients. So it's, it's actually a, a truly a fascinating area as you think about it. And certainly, as you can imagine, from an IT perspective, that opens up a whole other ways of kind of how do you support all kinds of different uh, parts of the business and make sure we're providing the right support uh, for our business users and ultimately our patients. That's great. Thank you for that overview. As I mentioned in my intro, you're the first ever chief information officer, a post you took on early this year. Uh, why now? Why? why uh, how did the organization determine that this was the right time for the to, to have somebody in that global role? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And certainly, I think, as, as I'm sure most companies are feeling it, and we, we are the same as well at Fresenius Medical Care, 
digitization and technology is really changing the way we, we go to market, the way we play, the way we pull things together from an operational perspective, it is becoming more and more critical as we, as we look at how we, we run our business and the opportunities that we have as we connect the dots, if you will, between all parts of our business. Um, so it's kind of a natural evolution, I would say, Peter, for us as a company, as we've gone through, we've optimized and run IT and had many different parts of uh, IT, obviously supporting our business areas, but we felt it was really the right time to kind of start to bring all this together and capitalize on that uh, opportunity to leapfrog even further and, and take the advantages, the, the best parts of everything we've done. But now by bringing the strength of all parts of the IT organization from different parts of the, the group before, we can become even stronger as an organization. So it's actually very exciting. And I think the organization's very supportive of really, how do we take a step back, pull all this together and really, uh, we've done a lot of great things, but now it's an opportunity to take it even further as we propel ahead. Very interesting. Well, I know from our past conversations, you've detailed some of the areas that are priorities for your organization. And you alluded to, uh, even in the overview of, of the business, more broadly speaking, the broader use of digital technology as a source of competitive growth. Can you talk a little bit about what that entails uh, in this environment, uh, the ways in which you're beginning to leverage that or continuing to leverage that as the case may be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's uh, fascinating as if I uh, focus a little bit on the services side and, and the patient care that we give, we are doing a lot from a digital technology on really um, understanding sort of the clinical data that we have. How do we take that and, and combine that with uh, the dialysis, the treatment data that we're getting from our dialysis machines? And, and really not just looking at all of this in isolation, but I think the power comes when you connect all of that to give us some meaningful insights to drive patient care, to improve patient care um, for our patients in real time and in a personalized manner, which makes it very powerful because every patient is different. The circumstances are different. Their clinical outcomes are different. And if you can get the, the power of all of this together, it can, it can drive a lot. So we're doing quite a bit, as I mentioned, with IoT data and pulling that together, embedded analytics and kind of um, taking information. What, what we're finding is uh, lots and lots of different reports and things that are there, but it's not doesn't drive a, sort of a meaningful change in care if it's not at the point of when we're getting these things done, right? So if you're not able to intervene, if you're not able to give some recommendations um, on where and how perhaps things need to change in the care continuum, it, it is not as effective as kind of just a report that you run post-fact and be able to get things. Um, so I'm super excited about that aspect of really taking a world-centric experience, uh, which is what we're driving towards, whether it's our physicians, whether it's our patients, how do we look at it from the lens of each individual role and how do we provide them with embedded and the right analytics and the right information and data and insights to help us provide the best support? So quite a bit of activity, I would say that we've started the journey, um, much, much more to go, but it is a key area of really as just one example that I'm giving you, but it's the same example as you look through different parts of the organization on how do we ultimately, I think, the goal of across all parts of our business, even though we have multiple businesses within the organization, the focal point is is very clear. We're a very mission-based organization and the core of all of that is our patients and how do we improve patient care. It's in every conversation we speak, every um, project or component that we, we work on um, and, and bringing technology you can imagine does a fantastic job of pulling all that together to provide meaningful information for our patient. So I'm um, really excited. Lots of things that we're doing and a lot more. We're, we're thrilled to be embarking on that sort of more advanced journey um, of bringing the best of analytics to, to ultimately make the right decisions. 
That's very interesting. And I know from our last conversation, you're also focused on developing more of a global operating model, obviously emblematic in the new role that you have, which is a new role for the company, as, as we spoke about before, which I know has a cultural lens to it, but also has um, a change of orientation toward of IT focusing a lot on, I know you alluded to it actually in your prior answer, uh, on the top line, in addition to the more traditional areas that, that IT departments focus on, a bottom line that is efficiencies and cost savings and so on. Um, yeah. I, I find interesting as, as background, and, and, and you'll let me know if I'm drawing an appropriate connection here, but you had a computer science degree as an undergrad. You went to the Wharton School uh, at the University of Pennsylvania for an MBA. And so somebody who has both uh, technical experience and I should say, of course, deep technical experience professionally uh, since since uh, uh, both undergrad and grad degrees, but also a business level of business acumen. That's, let's say, at least probably more than usual among your peers set that I'll, I'll do your bragging for you. So my word's not yours. Um, but I wonder if as you've as you have pushed the organization more towards a cognizance of the value that can be created from a top line perspective that well-rounded background that you have has been a, con a contributing factor for that yeah no thank you thank you for those words peter and definitely as i said for me i'm, I'm passionate about technology but it's really about the business use of technology right that's ultimately it's the outcomes that we're trying to drive whatever aspects whichever industry whatever we're in that's what's meaning to kind of to where and how technology can be used so kind of really taking a business outside in perspective and kind of thinking about what is the problem we're solving or what's the opportunity we're going after, I think is the best way I find that we can then kind of bring the best of technology. So that's only the mindset I bring to the table and I've been trying to inculcate in the organizations I've been at to say how we can have strong business partners who can really understand the business and then translate that into more technology needs, of course, without a doubt. We've got to build all of these things and engineer the, the solutions but towards the purpose of what we're trying to drive. And so as I think of the global operating model that you, you asked me about, it's also very similar. We're coming together as a global team and we're still in the midst of all of this as we're pulling it together. But for me, the, the focus there is also organizing ourselves in a manner that we don't lose sight of that. We have very, very strong connections with all parts of the business, whether it's driving the top line or whether it's the operational efficiencies, which certainly technology is very well suited for. Both are equally important and there are different aspects, I think, of technology and how we drive it. Um, so we're trying to make sure that in the new operating model, we, we focus and have the emphasis on both aspects of it, as well as I would say maybe the third one, which goes pretty closely to the driving the revenue, but it's about experience. At the end of the day, I think we're all competing on different kinds of things, but it's about overall experience we're providing, whether it's our patients who come for care and who, who trust us and trust us in, in, in taking care of them. How do we do that in a manner that makes sense? How do we help them think of the big picture of their nutrition, all of the different kinds of services that we bring, how do we provide them certainly from the services we provide, but also tools and um, data that we can provide to help them on that journey, right? So it makes a very big difference, I would say, in, in kind of it's you know, just not just products that we're bringing to, to the market, but it's the entire experience that we're bringing, and that's what we're focusing on. Um, so as I think of the global operating model, it's very much um, bringing all of those elements together, organizing ourselves in a manner that gives us the efficiency of IT that I want a well-run, well-oiled machine that can kind of go through pretty fast. I think in this day and age, speed and agility, I think, and velocity are probably the most critical aspects of the engineering side of getting all this done, but equally having a model where the connection with our being in the, uh, in, in the clinics, understanding what our patients are going through. And, and our team here at Presenters Medical Care, I would say is a committed Really, I'm so proud of, um, as I've come in, I've been at many different companies and I've come here. I think what, what I would say um, and feel really proud to brag about the team is how committed they are. It's, it's really every day of everything they do is all about our patients and what can we do differently do, uh, to, to do more of 
uh, or less of to make sure that their care is being um, being the, at the heart of what we're thinking about, the decisions we're making or the solutions that we're designing. I don't want to lose that aspect, uh, which is different for a patient. We've got to be equally cognizant of a patient in, in Portugal versus a patient who is um, here in, in, in North America. Their needs may be different. The, the way we approach them, the way we provide solutions may be different. We've got to accommodate all of those differences as we pull things together. So it's been an exciting journey as I think we're coming together as a team. Um, and, and maybe the last point I would try to emphasize there, uh, Peter, is on the cultural side, as you said. No matter what, I think I've been through lo- several large transformations through the course of my, my journey. And, and that's what drives passion for me is how do you bring step change in, in what and where we, we embark on um, as a team. But at the heart of it, at the end of the day, it's all about people. It's about culture. It makes or breaks and creates either a high-performing organization or a drag on the organization on driving it. And so uh, regardless of all of the technical difficulties or or, um, exciting things we go on, for me, the core of the team uh, and and focusing on the culture is probably the number one priority as I'm going through all of this. How do we come together as a new identity, a new group that's excited and inspired about where we want to go? Because then everything else takes care of itself. We don't even need to worry about things if we focus on the people. Um, so that's really a lot of where my energy right now is um, being pulling the teams together and to kind of feel that sense of belonging as, as we come together as a global organization. I, I wonder, as uh, certainly a good portion of your customers are, are uh, and patients are older, um, I wonder if there have been any surprises for you in terms of their uh, willingness or even desire to interact with the company digitally. You know, there are stereotypes about, uh, you know, levels of adoption based upon age bands and so on. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm curious, uh, and, and no doubt, of course, the the, the 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 pandemic and the crisis that we've been through forced many of us to become more comfortable uh, in adopting digital solutions where we had previously used, uh, uh, you know, more traditional means of interacting with the various uh, companies that we do do business with or interact with personally. Uh, I wonder if there's some learnings there or some or, or some surprises uh, uh, across this uh, as you've th- thought about the adoption of some of the digital solutions that you've developed. Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say both sort of from a, a demographics or age as you brought it up, but also one other unique part to us is we're also driving a lot of home growth. So uh, having our, our machines at home so for the comfort quality of life for our patients to be able to be at home and take care of themselves. Uh, but we're at a, a, a fingertip away, if you will, of, of providing help and support that's needed. And that's also a lot of it is technology dependent, as you can imagine, and being able to reach the right person or not be worried about being all alone sometimes and, and kind of how you care for yourself. So all of those bring different aspects. Um, I think, as you said, COVID has really given all of us, a, I think, a boost in, in getting more comfortable with, with that. And so we did a lot last year, actually, on telehealth, which really uh, took off. We've done a lot of things from a telehealth perspective, which I think is really um, is, is good for the patients, of course, good for us to be able to provide the right care in the right settings that um, our patients want. And that's been adopted really well. I mean, I, I'd say we have seen excellent uh, adoption of the telehealth side, and it's a, a good step forward. We also have a lot of tools. And, and you're right, sometimes it's a, think a bit hard for people, but we do spend a lot of time as we design these solutions and really sitting down and talking to our patients, being in the clinics, observing things so we can empathize and understand sort of what's needed and to make it simple. I think that's the key when you think about when you're going through such complex um, uh, a complex disease and being able to kind of uh, work through all of the things that you have to take care for your health. I think it's so important that we don't add more complexity from a technology perspective, that you make it simple, easy, and hopefully guide them through the, the process. So I think um, user-centric design has been very important for us as we've thought about the journey 
um, and, and how to make it a little bit easier as we've gone um, and designed solutions. That's great. Well, I mentioned that the traditional domain of a lot of IT executives is is around efficiencies and cost savings and so on, so on. And, and despite the fact that you, of course, have, uh, as you alluded to, some really profound ways in which you're impacting the top line as well, no doubt the new global role also is about efficiency also. So I, I wanted to linger on that point also and just learn from you as to what, what some of the opportunities are uh, across the organization to draw out better uh, efficiencies or sources of efficiency for the organization. Absolutely. And without a doubt, I think that's a core part of what we do within, within IT is the effectiveness and efficiency of running an enterprise, if you will. And we have a large um, employee population. We have more than 120,000 employees worldwide that we support, as well as all our patients uh, and physicians who, who come into our clinics and care for our patients. So it's a pretty large population. So certainly, I think from an employee productivity collaboration, that's a big area of focus of how do we start to bring a global organization together to, to really... Um, uh, unlock some of that sort of uh, collaboration capabilities that are there, certainly from our um, if, uh, running the operations, if you will, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's uh, making sure that how we run the clinics or the things we could do more efficiently is also another uh, big area that we're looking into and working on a number of things. And, and we have a large footprint of more than 4,000 clinics. So any one change uh, that we make can have a step change when you multiply it by the impact you can have in so many clinics. And that's been very profound from my own experience in the past uh, in, in all my previous companies. That there's a very a retail flavor, if you will, not, but it's, of course, for, for care for our patients. But anything you do, if you can optimize one clinic, you can multiply the benefits that you get out of the efficiencies and, and gain that in many, many more. Right. So it really is a different aspect of looking at how do we drive productivity improvements, um, provide simplicity. Again, it's, it's a lot of it. I think feedback is how do we free up time so we can care for our patients, not spend our time trying to figure things out. I think that's the feedback that I've received and seen and technology can, as you can imagine, do a number of things there. So we're working on a lot of different initiatives right now to really improve and free up capacity, if you will, um, and to make it simpler for our uh, clinicians to focus on the clinical side of things rather than being focused on um, kind of getting all of the I's dotted, T's crossed components that, that are sometimes absolutely critical and necessary to get things done. Excellent, I appreciate that. Um... I also wanted to ask you, yours is a global company. I mentioned in the introduction that your headquarters is in Germany. You're based in uh, the Boston area in Massachusetts here in the US. Uh, you, have a, you have a substantial team in IT and a, a substantial team beyond IT as well that you collaborate with uh, day in, day out. I might also add that you joined the company uh, basically during, during quarantine uh, as a result of, of COVID. You took on the global role, of course, uh, in the same manner. And so there are additional challenges of not being able to travel as freely across the various geographies that are uh, you know, of great importance to this company and build ties, build uh, um, relationships with, with partners across the organization. Uh, talk a bit about the, the way in which you have managed through this uh, during rather trying times, to say the least. Yeah, I know that's definitely, I've learned a lot, Peter, a, a very different kind of learning through this. Because the, the first day, and I'll never forget the date. Normally, I don't know if I remember the start date of every job that I've taken, but this one I'll never forget. It was March 17th, the day we shut down, because that's the day I started. Um, so as you can imagine, it's been a very interesting and a huge learning, because I think it's a different kind of uh, leadership learning, personal learning, uh, without, as you said, I've never had the chance to meet the team, uh, build relationships. You, we all rely a lot on, on, on kind of meeting people and getting to know and building that trust, the credibility that's needed for any new person coming in. And that's not been easy. Thank God for, I would say, video conferencing. Without that, I don't know. Just audio may have been, uh, would have stretched it even further. 
um, <laughs> but certainly taking as much advantage as I can about that, trying to meet as many people. Um, and in some ways, it is easier because um, I jokingly tell people I could be talking to someone in Latin America 10 minutes ago, and then tomorrow I'll be talking to someone in Asia Pack, and it's equal time I'm dividing my, my energy because it's all managing it remotely. So in some ways, I think it's it's a very different aspect of thinking of how it's leveled the playing field to connect to anyone, anywhere, and use that as an opportunity to build relationships, get to know people. You're not relying on, I have to travel there to be able to do more or less. So I think it's a different way. I think if you approach it that way, that's what I, I figured as, as I've been navigating through this, you can actually make more out of it. Of course, it doesn't replace physically meeting people and doing all that. But I think there's a lot you can do if you spend the time. So I found myself early on spending a lot of time, and even now, certainly in this, this new role, and spending a lot of time listening, being there for teams as much as you can. I think that's been the biggest way I think I've tried to navigate the lack of physically being there and getting to know people. Uh, but it's not easy, I will definitely say, and it's taught me uh, a lot of different muscles I think I've learned as I've gone through this and how do you drive that and build that that trust, if you will, without the physical aspect of things. Um, but it's been interesting. And so overall, I mean, I think we have, as you said, a large global team. I think the the, the challenge of time zones can't be overcome. There's no no method, magic bullet point on, a bullet I've found, unfortunately, that can solve that. Um, so we work through it and try to see how best do we be inclusive and bring everyone but at the same time, not being as um, intrusive to everyone's time, uh, whether it's early in the morning or whether it's very late at night, uh, it's very hard because somebody is suffering at, at one end of the spectrum, if you will. So we're trying to figure out ways and means, um, but it's certainly, at least at this beginning stage, there's a lot more we're doing together so we can bring that level of inclusivity, getting people together as a global organization, spending time, I think is the biggest that I, I think for me as I'll reflect back on what's at least helped me navigate this. Uh, taking the time to to spend individually in team meetings to be able to uh, build relationships that go a long way ultimately to drive a large transformation um, or whichever role, whatever aspect of, of the role one has in such uh, trying times. Mm. I wonder, Anjana, so under normal circumstances, you would have joined on March 17th and probably gotten on a plane uh, and gone around the world and seen different operations, certainly gone to headquarters and you know meet your new partners in person and so on, which would have established a routine, which would have you on planes quite often to, to make sure that you were, you know, you have your fingers on the pulse of this business real time and, and build relationships uh, in a more traditional fashion. I wonder now, as you look to the future and the extent to which, and I don't mean to presuppose as I don't know what the plan is, uh, the extent to which you've developed one, but if there is going to be a component of a, of a virtual version of work, even once the next normal is achieved, I wonder how your experience over the course of the past 15, 14, 15, 16 months um, will impact the way in which you're thinking about the way work is done in the future and onboarding people virtually and making them feel welcome and inculcating them to the culture in non-traditional ways. Um, any insights there? Yeah. So I, I think definitely, as you said, Peter, I think most companies we're going through, I don't think it'll be the new normal is not going back to the exactly the way we were. I think it'll be somewhere in between. I don't think it's completely living the way we are. I think we all need to get back in and do stuff. And, and I think everyone feels that, but it's somewhere in the middle, right? So exactly where that is, is I think we're all trying to figure out and kind of make sure we, we know what the right hybrid method is, if you will. Uh, but we can draw on a lot of lessons we've learned. So we're thinking through kind of how do we bring much more of kind of um, aspects of technology, which plays a key role, whether it's getting to know people, whether it's training, providing the right tools, different set of tools, I would say on, on um, empowering, helping managers to manage their staff. It's not the same way you manage in a traditional setting than you would in a hybrid setting. Um, so we've kind of 
learned different best practices from different teams as we've gone through this. And as I'm sure every company's uh, finding pockets of those um, good ideas and best practices with its team building and welcoming people in, um, figuring out virtual ways of using Yammer or other method to welcome a virtual welcome and, uh, um, to, to a new employee who joins in. We're f- having virtual sort of tea time uh, calls where you can just talk about things where you don't have like the water cooler, right? How do you recreate the water cooler type of an environment um, to get people to just bump into each other and do things. So we've, we've been experimenting quite a few different ideas over the last several months um, as a team. And I think we want to inculcate some of those as really best practices because when we're in a hybrid mode, whatever that hybrid scenario is, um, we'll still need to retain some of those things that we have learned, but perhaps make it more scalable. Um, so I think that's sort of the mode we're in kind of thinking of the future of work and where and how technology and, and collaboration can really help us uh, bring the best balance, if you will, between those, those ideas. That's great. I appreciate you reflecting on that. I wanted to also ask you about, as you look to the future, what trends excite you? You've mentioned a few that apply and and ways in which you're leveraging some of those to enhance customer experience, to draw out efficiencies, to, you know, uh, bring together a very global organization and so on. But wanted to sort of circle back and see if there are other trends or topics that excite you as you look to the future. Yeah. So I think for me, it's uh, really human-centric design and kind of thinking about how does technology really factor into that sort of really thinking from the user perspective? And so really that experience-based, I think for me is the, the biggest sort of, it's, it's, we're all overloaded with information. So it's, it's kind of, we've gone through an expo- explosion of, of data and information, which is great, perhaps from where we were even 10 years ago, uh, but it gets to a point where you're overloaded. And I think we're all getting into that fatigue. Um, it's, it's a data fatigue that we're in. And so to get out of that, for me, it's all about really meaningful insights and kind of thinking about where. So for me, that's what excites me and passionate about really how do you bring that sort of human-centric method of thinking about technology and design and, and, and making the best use of it, but with the right information, relevant information, insights that's meaningful and that's simple. I mean, the, the feedback of we all as a team when we came through last year together to said, we want to produce things that there is no training. It's so intuitive. It's take what we've learned from the consumer side of things but bring it into a much more complex, regulated, different kind of an environment that we're in. It's easy to, to do that, perhaps le- relatively easier on a consumer technology kind of a component, but we can bring the same kind of thinking as we think about how do we simplify, demystify, um, and make it easier for us. Uh, so for me, those are the kinds of things. And so all of that centers on data. So it's about how do you really bring the right uh, data insights, use advanced um, techniques that we now have at our fingertips that we could use machine learning, AI, bring all of the best of those thinkings and the, in obviously the context of where you're applying it. Uh, but for me, that explosion, but coupled with experience, I think is sort of the, the trend that I, I'm excited about as we, we move forward. That's great. Well, another trend that you were representative of is a growing group, still smaller than perhaps it should be, but but uh, a growing group of women in technology who've taken on CIO posts. Uh, it's been been wonderful to see uh, this 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 group expand uh, across the years, and I wonder if you can maybe reflect on your your own journey, um, the extent to which it is not only representative of your peer group who are already in these roles, but perhaps uh, with a, a chance to reflect for others who are a notch or two below you but have aspirations uh, to one day be CI, a CIO. Talk a little bit about your own journey to to the CIO post, if you would. Sure, absolutely. And very passionate about this topic as well, because we need to get more. We, we definitely need more women uh, really continuing to both get into the STEM field, but also grow and get into 
the sea level, um, absolutely. That is, that's a, a very, very important um, and critical aspect of the, I think the trend that we really have to see a lot more than we have today. But I'll take a step back and kind of think about my journey as you asked, uh, Peter. So I've, um, I guess as I've navigated through, it's uh, it's not an easy uh, place to be in because I, we're a working couple, both my husband and I are very passionate about our jobs and we were, um, and we have two kids. So I have a daughter who's a freshman in, in college and I have a son who's 16 years old. Um, and so over the last several years, it's not been easy trying to juggle all of these things and, and have a dual working family, uh, but we've been very supportive. I think for me, the first thing that's helped me navigate through this is, is really a supportive um, family environment and being able to really uh, juggle things and priorities as we've gone through it. So that's been, I think, probably the biggest thing that's helped me. And, and what I would say is I reflect back, uh, which I learned as I went through is really bring your kids into the conversation because I've had to move throughout my career a number of times we've had to move as a family from different locations, make some difficult choices um, on how we manage things. And for me, what's been so important is really um, having the family, more importantly, my kids as part of the discussion and kind of thinking through the choices we make so that way it doesn't feel like, oh my God, they're getting dragged from one place to the other and just have to follow and do these things. Um, it's been very, very insightful to kind of bring the kids into the discussion um, and having them see the, so I didn't know, now I can tell you which much older kids, I, feel, I, I went through a huge guilt trip as I went through all of my, my own career journey. But now I can say much because they're much older, they have appreciated and actually recognized because that's what they want to be as they grow up to be able to juggle things and not feel like I have to give up something to be able to get it. Um, so that's been fulfilling now that I see older kids telling, giving me that feedback. But I went through a big struggle uh, of personal guilt myself. No one had to tell me, but I keep feeling like I'm, am I doing things right or wrong for the kids? Um, so I would say that's one thing that has worked for me is really being open and making them part of the decision-making process has helped us navigate and be actually excited about the different moves and the changes that we've collected, both of us have done um, as, as we've kind of moved different areas or different companies or, or, or um, traveling as we've done. I also, when I took my last job, um, as you mentioned at Hellrom, the kids were much older. So I became a, a traveling mom. And so we debated, is that even the right thing? Do I want to do go on a Monday morning and come back and be able to juggle both. And I would say the kids were the ones who pushed me and they, and I became sort of a little bit of a virtual virtual FaceTime mom as I managed both work as well as, uh, as, as juggled it, but we were able to make it work. And I think that's what's important. Um, so that's one thing I would say has been important as I've gone through it, um, kind of do, being there. But what I'd also kind of now put my, putting myself into uh, maybe a manager's hat and kind of thinking about it from a company perspective, I think it's really important to have an environment where people can talk about their challenges and, and have a flexible environment. Um, I felt growing up and when I was going through it, I felt I had to keep it all perfect, that I had to, all the struggles I had was all my own and I had to figure it out and um, be the, the perfect employee, if you will. And I've realized that that's not needed. I can juggle work. I have the work ethic. I'll work, I'll burn the midnight oil and I may need to leave an hour early to go do something and that's totally okay. Um, but I, I think nobody said no, but I think I caused it to myself. And now that I've seen that, and I know my, my own self, I would say as a manager or as, as an employer, it's really important to kind of have an environment where it's okay, because we all juggle things. As long as the work ethic is there and people are willing to do what it takes, it doesn't matter if you have to juggle things around. And that flexibility goes a long way for women, I think, in not feeling like they've got to give up something or scale back or not take on a, a more high pressure opportunity, that it's okay to manage it in the way that makes sense for you, for your family, uh, as long as you're able to kind of juggle things around. So I don't know if that, that's helpful, but anyway, that's my own reflections of the good and the bad as I've learned through my career, um, Peter. 
Well, I appreciate you reflecting on that. And it's, uh, I think, very useful to, to understand the methods that you've used, the way in which you've engaged your, your family in that thought process. It makes an awful lot of sense um, and uh, I'm sure brings you brings you greater comfort as to how things have worked out for you and for your family as well. Well, I, um, I want to thank you and Jenna Arve for, for a really great uh, conversation that covering your relatively new post in this, in this brand new global uh, role as as global CIO for Senius Medical Care, uh, reflections upon your journey along the way, uh, areas that you're seeing as elemental in terms of where value can be created for your company and for your company's patients. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Peter. It's been wonderful catching up with you. Always a pleasure.